All right, what's up, everybody? It's me, Daniel D., with A Ghost in the Machine. The podcast is Sunday, January 14th, 2023. Uh, Martin Luther King Day weekend, 60th anniversary of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, a.k.a. the Constitution 2.0, at least in the United States. And on this occasion, I'll probably do a written post. Well, I'm going to try to get it out by tomorrow, which is the actual day of, you know, Martin Luther King's um, holidays observed in America. But I may not make it in time. Um, But anyway, I'll record this and at least this will be out. Uh, Title of this episode is going to be Not All Jews or Not All Blacks. Uh, And I'll explain in a minute, but I guess you can probably guess where this is going to go. Um, something just to get started. I've noticed there's this thing with like purity tests and the left is known notorious for this, you know, Oh, you're not sufficiently like uh, signaling your, you know, hatred of colonialism. And so you deserve to be canceled or whatever. Right. Like they've, that's just been the whole thing with cancel culture, all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's old news by now, you know, and certainly, in religious circles, religious fundamentalist circles, right? Like you got to signal your purity, right? If somebody like uh, draws a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad, you got to cut their head off, you know, to show that, you know, you're a good Muslim. Even though I don't know how you would know that it's Muhammad that they drew a picture of because nobody knows what Muhammad looked like. Nobody took his picture. They didn't have cameras back then. You couldn't draw him. So how do you even know it was Muhammad? But if you got, draw a guy... You know, with a towel on his head, like, this is the Prophet Muhammad, you know, and, and you're a Muslim and you hear somebody say that, like, and they got a picture of him, or, you know, you got to cut their head off, right? So it's like, you got these purity tests. Uh, and the right, I've noticed, has a similar type of thing where if you're like, okay, and it's, it's particularly... I don't know how how to put this. Fuentard is one um, term that I've heard for it. Where basically it's like you gotta whatever it is that has gone wrong in the world, you gotta tie it back somehow to the Jews. Like, you know, you sneeze today and it's like, oh, the Jews back in you know 1650, they you know put this into cold medicine and that affected this and you know causes butterfly effect and they you know caused me to sneeze just now. It's like you know, it's their fault and obviously it's far-fetched but but it, it's not really that far off i mean it's like anything you you got to tie it in like no matter what it is right it's like no matter what is what it is is bad they got to find a way somehow well did you know that the jews you know like and they'll chime in too like if you if you tweet about something if you comment on something that's like next thing you know you have somebody in your comments or somebody replying to you saying something like you you know basically accusing you of not being pure in your you know, whatever your political beliefs are like, right. You're, you're, you got to sing. You don't have, have an appropriate level of anti-Semitism, So you need to express, you know, or, or I'm taking you to test or I'm, I'm putting this into your place, so that you know, it was really to choose. It's like, you know, I mean, it's kind of absurd because it's like, it, it makes in the act of saying, these people made everything that's wrong with the world. You know, they planned it perfectly, you know, so that it would just come to this, you know, it's like you're, you're giving them this superhuman level of cunning and foresight it's like no human being it's just not possible um 
I mean, I'm not saying, and this is the other thing, you had to then qualify that by saying, but I'm also not saying, because people, it's like, they just can't fucking deal with nuance or shades of gray. It's like, you gotta, you, you're either this way, oh, well, so you don't agree with, you know, X, so you must mean the opposite, not X. And it's like, no, <laughs> that I'm not denying that there have been influential individual Jews as well as groups of Jews. Many of these groups also involve some Gentiles too, but groups that have been predominantly Jewish that have done things. I'm not denying that. Um, but I'm also like not conflating all the different groups within a single race or ethnicity and like just glossing over all the distinctions that exist between different groups of people within the same ethnicity or religion or race or whatever and pretending that nothing matters except for the racial or ethnic identity or the religion or, or whatever. Um, and I mean, so it, as a white man, I know that that has been done to us, right? Like that's basically what all this sort of anti-white racism is. It's like, you white people did this and this, you, you oppressed us, you, you know, which leaving aside the fact that that's like a very dishonest and very incomplete framing of the historical record, you know, um, it also is like you, who's this you? I wasn't even fucking alive for any of that shit. So I like, you know, what do you mean I did this? Like Richard Jenny, the late great uh, comedian had a bit about this and his, which I'm going to, I'm not going to try to do it. You know, it's like, but you should just listen to his, his old album, a big steaming pile of me or his special. Uh, you can watch it, listen to it. It's great. But he had a bit in there about like, you know, being a white man in America and how like people will say shit, like even fellow white people, it'd be like, you know, what do you expect? You killed all the Indians. It's like, what me? You know, I don't even know any, like, what are you talking about? I did this. Like, you know, and then he goes on this extended bit about how, you know, like waking up after a rough night, you know, drinking, like barely remember what happened right before. And you're like, man, why is there all this turquoise jewelry around my apartment? Like, what's this feather doing in my hair? Ah, oh, shit. I was out killing all the Indians, you know? Anyway, pretty absurd. But the the point being, like, that's how it has been directed at us. Well, I mean, I'm just, you know, doing this whole thing of, I guess it's something that uh, people, I've noticed a lot of people don't do. Um, which is that whole idea of, like, you know, universalizing maxims, like, in the Kantian sense, you know, or... Um, the golden rule kind of thing, like, hey, you know, what if it was me? How would I feel, right? So it's like, that's how we've been treated. And I'm looking at this and it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's there's stuff that you can definitely criticize individual Jews or groups of Jews for. But to then say like every single Jew, well, this is your, you, you're to blame for this morally. You, you have this debt, the moral debt that I can hang over your head and like hold it against you, uh, you know. It's like, why? You know, um, I mean, just as it pisses me off if some black person comes at me saying, well, you kept us slaves for blah, 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 and so you owe us this and that. It's like, no, I didn't. I didn't do anything to you, first of all. You know, none of my ancestors even owned slaves. And even if they did, 
Like, that's not me. I didn't do it to you. And, of course, also, uh, not only did, you know, would that be the case? Even if even if my ancestors, which only 3% of the whites in the South before the Civil War even owned slaves. So, it definitely wasn't benefiting the working class who had to compete with the free labor of the slaves. But even leaving that aside, it's like, what about the white people who ended slavery, right? Like, that was because... 1800 where was slavery practiced africa of course where was slavery where is slavery being practiced today africa you know or the arab slave trade it's like hey you don't ever talk about that shit so it's like white people invented slavery no they didn't but white people ended slavery so don't we get credit for that kind of rambling here but i'm just saying that like just as i take exception if somebody comes at me and says oh you're white so you did this and that to my you know to me it's like first of all i don't even know you I'm, I've never owned a slave. Like, you've never picked any cotton. So shut the fuck up. Like, you, I don't owe you shit, you know? And I, anyway, so I feel like the same thing gets done a lot by people towards, say, Jews. Like, you're automatically, as soon as you, somebody's Jewish, it's like there's a certain type of person who will then, you know, oh, well, they believe this, they've done this, they're tied in with the rock, with the Rothschilds or, or whatever. It's like, I doubt it, you know? That's not to say that there aren't evil motherfuckers that do evil things and they're Jewish and they have a, a, a in-group preference that they take advantage of, you know, and they have a network similar to the way the Sicilian mafia operated in, you know, Italian communities. Um, you know, not to say any of that, but just that conflating everybody within a group. And that, so, so there's that. All right. Um, the other thing you know, the flip side of that, though, is criticizing, say, like, the Jewish elite. Should, like, it's, it's absurd to then, for, say, Jews, if they hear somebody talking about the Rothschilds or, you know, the banksters, like the, you know, the, like, to then feel like, oh, you're talking about me. And then I'm going to step up and I'm going to shut this conversation down and say it's anti-Semitic. Well, you're just feeding into that, too. You know, it's like... Um, you know, like I can talk about the co- Chinese Communist Party without saying that I hate all Chinese people. You know, it's like I can question China's influence over our foreign policy, given that we have a corrupt, criminally corrupt president right now, Joe Biden. His family had all these crooked deals involving Chinese companies, which were you know, backed by or fronts for the Chinese Communist Party, you know, that involved millions of dollars. And so it's like China obviously, you know, has something, some leverage then over Joe Biden. He's a, Joe Biden's a compromised president. And then if, if Joe Biden's involved in foreign policy decisions that then seem to favor Chinese interests, it's fair to ask, well, hey, is it like, you know, it seems to be some, some, shit going on here right like we should be able to ask questions we should be able to pry it's not that you hate chinese people if you're questioning china's influence over our elected leaders in the same way people asking questions about apac and some of the you know israel and and you know their involvement in our foreign policy some of the blunderous things that america's foreign policy has uh involved these past few decades 
and it seems to be very one-sided and you say well we didn't really seem to get a whole lot out of this but israel seemed to kind of benefit like what's this all about and then you look at you know jews in uh you know the state department i mean today it's anthony blinken right like or or uh alejandro mayorkas uh you know with the issue at the border right like it's, it's fair to look at people and question are they really loyal to America when their decision-making policy seem to be contrary to America's interests? And they seem to also take no pains to hide their loyalty to a foreign country, i.e. Israel, right? Like to me, it's the same thing as asking about China's influence over Joe Biden. Right? So it doesn't mean I hate all the Chinese people. It doesn't mean I hate all Jews, right? So the, the flip side of this is, is if you're Jewish or if you're philo-Semitic, you know, that you understand that these are legitimate questions that people ask when they see these patterns and they see, it's like, hey, what about, you know, the fact that Victoria Newland, you know, like, why are we so involved with Ukraine? Could it be that there's like an ancient ethnic hatred for certain Jewish people and Russia? And that's driving it and not this real desire to benefit America or look out for America's interests, you know? So anyway, I mean, there's these these two sides of it, and um, you know, it's it's gonna offend people, I'm sure. Like, if we had those conversations, it's one of those things, and this is what I would say to Jews and to Black people, because it's a similar type of conversation, but on along different lines and around different issues, needs to be had there. Um, for like, it'll be offensive to you probably because you're not used to, you know. And here I'm generalizing. You know, so it is obviously not true of everybody, but generally speaking, just from the patterns that I've noticed, people get offended. Why do they get offended? Because it's like, hey, this is my hero. You're used to hearing this hagiography of, you know, some important or influential person who's part of your ethnicity or your race or whatever. And so then any criticism of that person is like, what do you, you know, you're tearing me, you're, you identify with that. Like you take pride in this hagiography uh, is this glowing, you know, hero worship almost. And that's understandable because for American, for white Americans, it's like who have had that happen to our quote heroes, right? All the critical studies of, you know, the founding fathers and other, you know, people of stature and European Western history, right? It's like we, as white people, we know what it's like because that's what's been done to us. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, for example, like the, the, the people's history of the United States by Howard Zinn, a Jewish person, um, communist also, <clears throat> um, very critical of and kind of one-sided deceptive framing, you know, of a lot of issues. Right. But the way he, he, there's, there's like a grain of truth at the same time. It's like, there is, there's like three levels, and you can look at this kind of like as, as a kid growing up, you initially idolize your parents, assuming that your parents aren't just abusive or whatever. Like if you have a normal, you know, uh, family, um, you're when you're really young, you're going to like hero worship your parents. Like they're the greatest people ever. They can do anything. They're like omnipotent practically, practically to the level of God's, you know. Um, then you get a little older, teenage years maybe, and you start to see their flaws, their faults, and it's like, ah, uh, then it goes to the other extreme. These, these heroes have let you down, and now it's just critical. 
in your attitude towards them. And then you get a little older as an adult, especially once you have kids of your own and you're like, oh, well, yeah, they were human. They had their flaws, but that kind of makes it more remarkable the good that they were able to do. You know, that they, they really did do a lot. They sacrificed a lot. They, I owe them a great debt of gratitude. You know, so it's like there's this these three levels that you kind of go through. And for white, non-Jewish white people, European, American, European, uh, you know, there's maybe the fairy tale, you know, hagiography of like, uh, you know, these people are just great. And they, they're, you know, like George Washington is, you know, this amazing person who never did anything wrong. He's just like practically a demigod. He's virtuous, like Jesus Christ almost, you know, it's like he's just flawless, you know. Um, well, obviously that's naive, you know, he's a human being, so he had, he wasn't perfect, he, he, he fucked up sometimes, but it's like, at the same time, you know, he did some great notable things, and it's like, he was never celebrated because of his faults, but in spite of his faults, right, that's true for everybody, um, you know, so we have been in the West stuck on that second phase of like critical theory and t- deconstructing the heroes and deconstructing the historical narrative and it's like you know just criticizing it endlessly you know and it's we're long past due and fortunately it seems like there's a shift in the culture where people are starting to move towards embracing it again and saying like no you know what it's something to be proud of right so like i mentioned slavery earlier um it's not to deny that slavery existed and not even to, to try to pretend that it's this great and wonderful thing like this noble institution because hey who would want to be a slave you know, I'm, no, I wouldn't, um, you know, but then to say that this is what defines white people as if white people were the only people who practiced slavery as if shit, we didn't even go into Africa, contrary to what a lot of the popular fiction around this, it depicts, we didn't go into Africa and just grab people, you know, it's like for white people showing up to Africa was the African Kings who sold their own fellow African blacks into slavery, right? Like they were practicing slavery. They wanted things that the Europeans were trading. And they're like, Hey, we'll trade you some of our slaves who are black, uh, for the things that you got. So it's like, you know, and then there's the Arab slave trade, which why is there not a, you know, ghetto black ghettos in Riyadh or wherever? Well, cause they castrated the males and they killed whatever babies that did manage to get produced. And, you know, they basically wiped them out. So there weren't, you know, would that have been preferable? I don't, you know. Um, so anyway, it's like, yet white people are uniquely demonized for slavery. How did I get on this topic? I'm uh, trying to remember how, what I, the point I was trying to make. Basically, it's that we know, as white, like, I know what that's like, right? So it's like, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it bothers you when you, if you have been raised to believe in the virtues of your culture, the virtues of your culture's heroes, to then have somebody criticize, especially from somebody outside of your group, to criticize your culture, criticize your heroes. But that's been happening with us, and it's it's not entirely un, unwarranted. It's just that it's incomplete. It's like you need to get to that third place of, of seeing them fully as human, a, a bigger, fuller context, more nuanced understanding of you know their role in history, right? So it's like Thomas Jefferson you know, as an example, right? He's been canceled or his statues have been torn down and, you know, all that. Um, because, uh, apparently he had slaves and there's the, the rumor has it that he, 
you know, it was like a common law. Uh, well, I wouldn't even say that. That he had a side piece with one of his slaves. Or as uh, Doc Hammer would say, side corn, I think was the term. Anyway, that's how they say it down in Virginia or wherever it is that Doc Hammer's from. Um, but yeah, so Thomas Jefferson had a side piece, Sally Hemings, supposedly. Um, and it's like, so therefore, we need to cancel him, tear down his statues, not remember him at all. It's like, was is that why he was remembered? Because it's like, oh, man, it's Thomas Jefferson. We're celebrating him. We're going to put him on the nickel because he was like way ahead of his time, man. He had jungle fever back in the 1700s. I mean, that dude was forward thinking, man. He was hip. He was a pimp. He was like, you know, he was swirling before it was even a hashtag on social media, right? Like, that's not why we were celebrating Thomas Jefferson. You know, he's celebrating Thomas Jefferson because of the words that he wrote his role in writing the Declaration of Independence and all that, being the third president. Um, curiously, the people who want to cancel Thomas Jefferson never want to cancel the Declaration of Independence, particularly the phrase, all men are created equal, since that was like, even though it's not part of the Constitution, considered part of our founding documents, and it's like, oh, this is like shows that, you know, it was like an inspiration to the Civil Rights Movement. Um Many on the right may think, uh, and I, 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 depending on how that phrase is interpreted, and certainly as it's been interpreted the last couple of generations, maybe we should cancel Thomas Jefferson for that phrase. All men are created equal, the whole blank slate theory of the Enlightenment. Like, no, all men are not equal, which, you know, he wouldn't amend it in that sense. Um, yeah, because obviously there's very innate differences between people. Even if you have, if you have kids, more than one child, unless they're identical twins, you know that. You see that just from the very beginning. It's like each kid has their own kind of unique stamp, their own personality, their own disposition. Like they're wired a certain way. You know, it's like environment plays a part, but there's something that's just there from the beginning. That you know, we're not we're not blank slates. You know, so anyway, uh, that whole all men are created equal, and it's like that should be. You know, and that's how they arrive at this crazy place of shoehorning cultural Marxism into, you know, the whole, you know, uh, legal system with DEI and all that. It's like, well, if, if you have group differences, it must mean that there's racism because it's like, otherwise you would have an equal number of black people being arrested by the police for murder. doesn't matter who actually commits the murders. There should just be an equal number of people on the stand, you know, as defendants, um, you know, in murder trials because that would be equitable. Like even if white people aren't committing murders, they need to be framed for some murder so we can achieve equity in our criminal justice system. It's like, yeah, all people are not equal. I and mean, that's pretty obvious. So anyway, if you're going to cancel Thomas Jefferson for something, that's a, what I should say. If you're going to cancel Thomas Jefferson for something, cancel him for that shit. Don't cancel him because of whatever he did with Sally Hemings or didn't do. I don't know. I mean, so the guy was swirling if he was ahead of his time. You'd think that that would be like, hey, the Jefferson is, you know. Anyway, whatever. Uh, but like I said, we as white people have had our heroes and our culture, our history drugged to the mud and critically examined, you know, the people's history of America, for example. Well, it's kind of overdue in a way for the people's history of Jewish culture, the people's history of black american culture the people's history of african culture you know because all groups it's like all groups have done shit that some of it good some of it bad 
I mean, there's pe- good people within groups. There's bad people within the groups, you know? And it's like, as it is today, if you're white, you are responsible morally for every bad thing that every cracker-ass cracker has ever done throughout history. You, you, it's a debt that you owe endlessly, you know? Um, but if there's anything good, like basically civilization and all the things, you know, written language, the wheel, uh, roads, modern medicine, you know, all electricity, all these different things, the internal combustion engine, uh, sanitation, clean water. It's basically like that Monty Python sketch, uh, or, or, or a clip from the Monty Python movie, Life of Brian. It's very true today where it's like Monty Python, um, you know, and, and they depict the, you know, Judean people's front or whatever they were called, you know, talking about the Romans. It's like, what have the Romans ever done for us? And then somebody brings up, but or the aqueducts. It's like, oh, yeah, they didn't do that. But apart from the aqueducts and somebody, the roads. It's like, all right, well, obviously the roads. But, you know, aside from and they wind up with this long list of, well, apart from, you know, the list of all these things the Romans have done. What have the Romans ever done for us? Like, basically, you could say that about what have the Europeans, what has the white man ever done for us? Well, you know, actually, you got you got a minute, and pen and paper? Let me give you some, you know, things that the white man has done for you. Uh, you know, so anyway, white people, it's like, you don't get credit for any of that. All you can do is suffer for the sins of the purported sins that are taken out of context as if white people were the only ones doing it, as if white people didn't, put an end to it voluntarily not because of some out groups intervention in their you know affairs to force them to stop it as would happen with some demographics out there right so anyway it's like hey if you're white you know what that's like um and so there's if you're jewish and people criticize the jewish influence in say the banking industry the federal reserve and you know central banks and like how europe got into world war one for example, um, or some of the, the, the in Israel's influence on America's foreign policy. It's like, you know, like it's the same type of thing. You know, I don't hold every Jewish person, and you, you shouldn't either, personally responsible. You're responsible for something that this Jewish person in, you know, Israel did. No, you know. Um, at the same time, if you're Jewish and you hear that, it's like, that shouldn't be how you take it either. Now, I know there are some people out there you know, disciples of Nicholas Fuentes, for example, who probably do mean it that way, but they're fucking retarded. And, you know, I disavow them and you should disavow them too because they're fucking idiots. But, um, you know, at the same time, it's like we should be able to have these conversations. And yes, they're difficult conversations and they'll probably be offensive, you know, I'll probably say some things that offend you. You'll probably say some things that offend me. And hopefully we can give each other the benefit of the doubt enough and either to have the conversations and work through them. And, uh, you know, anyway, um, here's the thing. It's like, well, also let me just say this. If you are, since I've been talking about Jews, as an example, say you're a dual citizen of the United States and Israel and you're Jewish and you're wanting to uh, some position within the American government where you're going to be influencing America's foreign policy. It is 100% a fair thing for Americans, for, for whites who are non-white to have some skepticism about that. Oh, you're dual citizen. 
You know, why should you then be influencing our foreign policy? Like, do you really have our best interest at heart? Because here's the thing, and Mark, Mike Cernovich had a tweet, and he said this very well. Um, like, for Jews, understand, like, you have a nation to make aliyah to, right? If, if America goes to shit, well, you your backup is Israel, right? Like, you can go to Israel. We can't. We're like, this is it. I, you know, and as for me, it's like, yeah, there's Europe, but I mean, I'm like part, you know, Scandinavian, part Irish, part Welsh, part Scottish, part English, part German, part, you know, it's like, where the fuck am I going to go? I don't even speak any of those languages except for English. Uh, hablo un tequito de español, but, you know, I'm not at all Spanish, so. I don't know where, you know, I don't have a nation to make a Leah to, right? So this is kind of it for me. So it's like, if I see you and you're a dual citizen of the United States and Israel, and you're leading us into some foreign policy disasters that could really bankrupt and destroy America in order to benefit Israel, it's 100% a fair question for me to say, you know, uh, what the fuck are you doing? You seem to be a traitor, you know, and, and to really take exception to that and to even despise you. Right, I'm not despising you because you're Jewish. I'm despising you because you're a traitor, because you're a slimy sleazebag, you know, um, like Anthony Blinken, you know, um, or Alejandro Mayorkas, <laughs> or Joe Biden. It's not because he's Jewish. I mean, Joe Biden's not Jewish, but he's a snake. He's he's got these conf- conflicted loyalties. He's not, or maybe he's not loyal to the United States. He's not putting America's interests first. He's abusing his office for his own personal enrichment. Right, like it's fair for me to ask those questions, and so it's like if you're Jewish and you hear somebody criticizing Antony Blinken, especially on the grounds that this dude's a dual citizen, and why is he like leading our foreign policy this way? That's a fair thing, you know. It doesn't mean you're anti-Semitic, and so if you then come in and like, well, I'm gonna shut this down because this sounds anti-Semitic, and I don't want to get pogromed, and so it's like we're just not gonna have this conversation. Sorry. Well, that's just gonna feed that whatever you're paranoid about can become a self-fulfilling prophecy because then people say, oh, see, it is all, or whatever, right? It's like, the best way to do it is to say, yeah, let's talk about it. I'm with you. You know, if you're really loyal to America and you want America to thrive and you, and there's somebody, whether it's Joe Biden with the Chinese or whether it's Eric Swalwell with the Chinese or whether it's Anthony Blinken and Alejandro Mayorkas with Israel, you know, to say, yeah, you, if you're loyal to America, that's one way to show it. It's like, yeah, these people are, are obviously derelict. You know, they're, they're fucking up. And they're really sabotaging America. And to be and I, I say that a lot of Jews do do this. And so this is the one thing I was going to come back to. Because I've had conversations of like, where I'll say things. And some people, sometimes I'll say things that probably sounds anti-Semitic. For the reason that I just listed. Because I'm criticizing somebody who say like has dual citizenship. And they're fucking over America to benefit Israel. But at the same time, when it's people come in, you know, and, and then they'll say something about like all Jews are just generalizing like about you. And I'll say, well, you know, you got to distinguish the Orthodox. You got to distinguish like any, any, besides the Orthodox, there's, I guess, I don't know what you call it, based Jews. Like Mike Benz is an example of this. Um, and you, you may disagree about whether, how based he is, but I would say Brett Weinstein, I mean, Brett Weinstein went out on a limb a few points like during the pandemic before that you know with the whole race stuff like he didn't he was not one of those people who was like oh i'm not 
white, I'm Jewish. No, he very much. It was like when they came after the whites, Brett Weinstein was like, no, fuck that. I'm white. He didn't try to, you know, weasel his way out of it, right? And a lot of Jews are like Brett Weinstein, you know, or Mike Benz. And, uh, and then the Orthodox is like, yeah, I disagree with them on our foreign policy vis-a-vis Israel. Just like I disagree with evangelical Christians who are just as Zionistic as the Orthodox are. So it's like, um, yeah, I disagree with their foreign policy, but they are also, when it comes to like our domestic policy, when it comes to the cultural Marxism that's threatening America, you know, to eat America alive, it's like they are staunchly opposed to it and have a pretty good track record of being staunchly opposed to it. And so, you know, yeah, just like, the Baptist Southern Baptists during the Bush years were like very pro let's go to Iraq, right? They were very, you know, like useful idiots of Bush's foreign policy, basically a, a Zionist type of foreign policy. Cause I mean, it seemed like to be about benefiting Israel or I don't know, you know, whatever the moneyed interests in the middle East are. Uh, but it's not like the the evangelical Christians, the Baptists, they're not Jews, you know, and and they're they're just as Zionist as the Orthodox are, you know. Now the Orthodox is like, and so anyway, knowing evangelical Christians, I know that they're not nefarious in that, like they're kind of naive, is really the best way to put it. They're useful idiots, true believers that, and their their genuine convictions are being used and weaponized by evil people but the orthodox in in that way with foreign policy you know tend to be that way but when it comes to domestic stuff they're pretty based i mean they, they have a pretty good track record so anyway um all i'm saying is like and i'll just wrap it up with this is like there's troubles coming domestically like america's foreign policy we're going to reach a point pretty soon where we are not going to be able to, and I'm speaking, we, the United States be involved in the middle East bullshit. Like we won't have the money. We're so far in debt. Like we can still do it now because we still have this credit card. Thanks to the petrodollar that we're able to just keep running up a tab that we're not going to be able to pay, but we keep doing it, but that's going to come to an end. And, you see that already with like the Houthis harassing you know, you know U.S. naval vessels and other uh, shipping vessels going through the Red Sea. It's like uh, they like basically the, the Navy is the backbone of the empire. China's watching. You know the Houthis do this. They, I mean China knows. Like they're gonna make their move on Taiwan. They're gonna take Taiwan if Taiwan doesn't. I think that Taiwan's supposed to be having an election where they could basically elect a pro-China party and do it that way. But if they don't, China's going to make its move on Taiwan because they already see like the United States is becoming a paper tiger. Not to say that, you know, it's, it's totally harmless, but it's like Russia held up really well against basically America via Ukraine, you know? And so it's like, we, we're reaching a point where the U S is just not going to be able to, like it, it'll become so obvious that nobody will be able to deny it. There won't be money for for it. There won't be room on the credit card, if you will. So what I'm concerned about as an American looking forward is like what's happening here, and 
there are some evil motherfuckers that have some evil designs on the, the United States, the Europe, the West, the entire world. Um, and I would say, you may think I'm naive if you're on the right, especially if you're one of these fuentards that I'm naive about this. But the Orthodox Jews and some of the base Jews like Mike Benz, I mean, these are, and Brett Weinstein, these are valuable people to have on our side. And so it's foolish to just spurn them and make enemies of them and, and, and you know, go the way of the Nazis of being like, you know, make it into, well, we, if we just get rid of all of them, we won't have any problems. It's like, no, that's, it's not true. I mean, first of all, it's not true. Uh, second, it's like, it's, it's really counterproductive because the Orthodox Jews are not the enemy and they're not the enemy that you need to be most worried about when you're looking at who is really looking to crash and burn the United States and, you know, destroy whatever is left, you know, right now it's like, I think, uh, just looking forward, uh, you know, FedGov, what their, their whole thing is like, they have the money right now to, to subcontract it out basically to have their hired guns and all that but once that money's gone uh, and that could be because of a war it could be because of a real pandemic it could be because of any number of things um but like with the you know you guys i'm sure know all this already but it's like with the united states you have what's left of the 10th amendment you got the state sovereignty and uh what's left of it and the future is going to be, and recently Texas did a little bit of this with kicking border patrol agents out of an area and securing the border themselves, you know, the Texas National Guard. Um, yeah, there's going to be more of that. And at some point, it's going to come into a real conflict where the Fed is, you know, is going to say, no, there, and the state, one or more states is going to say, fuck you, we're doing this. And there'll be a constitutional crisis. And at that point, it really depends on a lot of things. But certainly, it's like the regime as it is, to borrow from Nicholas Nassim Taleb, or Nassim Nicholas Taleb, you know, his whole thing about anti-fragility, the black swan events. It's like, this regime is very fragile. It's not anti-fragile at all. It's very fragile. There's not a lot of resilience. It's like prone to cascading collapse, a lot of complex systems that... You know, the people aren't competent to maintain, let alone repair if things start to go wrong, uh, let alone troubleshoot if, you know, there's a lot of external pressures that suddenly start to collapse those systems. I mean, already things are collapsing under their own weight as it is. So it's like, you know, basically long short of, uh, and short of it is there's going to be stuff going on here domestically. And so anybody that is opposed to cultural Marxism, to communism, um, you know, like, they're valuable to have on our side. And so that that's the Orthodox Jews. Like, the, you know, um, and the, the Orthodox, it's not the people, like I, there's a distinction between them and the Hasidic people that were the ones that were building, digging the tunnels in New York. Uh, yeah, that's not, there's a distinction between them and the Orthodox. Here I'm talking about people like Chaya Raishik. I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. The lives of TikTok lady. Uh, I mean, some of these people are going to have like a knee-jerk reaction to defend Jewish people like I think she released some dumb tweet about or statement about the people building the tunnels like oh they're just teenagers rebelling blah blah, blah. It's like she's doing that because it's like there is this kind of knee-jerk reaction to defend your own tribe right I get that but even if she has some takes like that that are dumb it's like she's had a pretty good track record of 
being opposed to fighting against the cultural Marxism. That's really the enemy here. And, you know, uh, so anyway, that's my piece uh, on that. It's like the, uh, and same thing with uh, black people. It's like you, you got, I'm not going to say all, all black people, I think 90% are like vote Democrat reliably and a lot are very fans of aspects of cultural Marxism. Certainly the race communism aspect of it. A lot are. Right, so I'm not going to pretend like that's a, a thing that can be changed, uh, but there are certainly individual black people like you know Candace Owens being a pretty good example. Like she has gone out on a limb and risked you know her own reputation, her own livelihood to speak out against these issues on behalf of white people too, against the anti-white racism. You know, I mean, so it's like she's just one example, and maybe there's not many, but it's like they they do exist, and again, so it's like it's a mistake to then say. We're just going to write all black, or we're just going to turn it into a purely a race thing where it's like, you know, you must be racially pure. Otherwise, you can't be a part of this. A, a foolish thing to do when we're really going to need all the people that we can get for what's coming. You know, all the people who are good people of, of conscience, who, uh, you know, and integrity. It's like you, you want them on your side. And there's, uh, so anyway, uh, at the same time, you know, if there's some skepticism initially, like, hey, a black person is, is wanting to, you know, have a position of influence and, and you might question, well, is this person, you know, like a, a Trojan horse? Are they going to bring in like the race communism? Because that's how communism has operated. It's like people don't always announce, hey, I'm a communist and I'm here to take over to advance cultural Marxism like Barack Obama, uh, like Joe Biden. It's like they'll, they'll you know, so it's something to some skepticism is warranted but at the same time it's like if somebody has a track record of now this person's legit they've you know opposed this stuff they you know they're not just saying it today because they want you know they're they're psychopaths and they're just striving to you know insert themselves in and you know uh bring uh corrupt the the movement so to speak with like cultural marxism or race communism or whatever so anyway all that to say, it ain't all black and white, pun intended, but there's shades of gray, but, you know, uh, some of it is black and white, you know, at the same time. So, does that make sense? I don't know. Hopefully it does. Hopefully all this together, take it together and say, hey, if you're a person of good conscience and integrity and goodwill, you know, and you oppose cultural Marxism and race communism and, you know, all that the nihilism um, on the, the left, especially right now, you know, then, Hey, whether you're Jewish, whether you're uh, black, whether you're white, whatever, like, you know, we need to fight this thing together because uh, things are going to get crazy. Uh, and maybe sooner rather than later, I, nobody knows exactly, but it's like uh, this shit could really go off the rails. And if it does, you know, everybody who's good that can be of benefit, you know, to advancing the shared interests of, you know, human beings. Uh, hey, you know, don't cast somebody aside, write somebody off just because, you know, well, we got to maintain racial purity or ethnic purity or whatever. So, you know, hey, if Candace Owens or Mike Benz you know, we're running for president 
right now. Either one of them at the top of the ticket. I don't care which one. And the other one's a vice president. I would totally vote for that. Support it. Campaign for it all day long, right? Um, so anyway. Yeah, that's that's what I'll end with. Candace Owens and Mike Benz, 2024. That's my <laughs> – even though here we are almost to the Iowa caucuses, so this is obviously not going to happen, but – yeah, one could always dream. All right. It's me, Daniel D, with a Ghost of the Machine, the podcast. It is uh, Sunday, January 14th, 2023. Uh, till next time. Hey, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to this so you get future episodes. Uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast app or streaming platform, go to a ghost of the machine.substack.com or, hey, 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 you can go to a ghost of the machine.page. And if uh, you're sharing a link on Twitter, you can always use that. I go to the machine page, but anyway, I don't know if it makes a difference. That probably throttle any Substack links, regardless. But uh, anyway, I go to the machine or I go to the machine page and subscribe there. Get you know not just my podcasting stuff, which of course is so excellent, but all my written stuff as well. So anyway, till next time, peace out.